Gabrielle Stone on the fishbowl. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be in the bowl. Nice to have you swimming in the bowl with me. I hope the temperature is just right. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Not too cold, not too warm. Great. No, it's like a it's like a Luke bath water. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> My first question for you, what got you interested in film? Well, you know, both of my parents were in the industry. My mother still is. So I kind of grew up on sets with them, you know, on movie sets a lot of my childhood. And so I I saw it growing up and always kind of thought, I, you know, maybe I'll do that one day. But when I did my first film when I was 19, I remember walking off set and saying, oh, I never want to do anything else. <laughs> so I didn't really get the bug until then. But it it's been a part of my life since I was born. I was kind of born into it. Awesome. Awesome. And that that's a great segue into my next question, which is, what is it like being the daughter of Dee Wallace? And how did that impact you growing up? It's terrible. She's like a really awful human. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding, obviously. Um, my mother, I mean, I'm biased, but my mother is one of the most incredible women on this planet. She raised me in such a normal setting. You know, if if one of my parents booked a job, uh, then the other one would not take a job. So they only worked one at a time, which in the film industry is really hard to do. You kind of have to take them as they come. If someone was off shooting for more than a week, the whole family went to go spend time on set. And I grew up, you know, playing sports, dancing. They were at all my recitals, you know, very normal childhood. Uh, which I'm very thankful for. And um, when I got older, my mom and I transitioned from mother to daughter, which I mean, obviously will always be, but to best friends. We're, we're super close. We, we kind of like share a brain in a lot of ways. I'm just proud. I'm proud to be her daughter. She's a, she's like superwoman with all the, the stuff she does and the lives she touches and the, the work that she does, not only in her acting, but in her healing work as well. That's awesome. That's so good to hear. You know, I, I, I can say the same thing about my parents. If it wasn't for my dad, I, I would not be into any of the stuff that I'm into and he's been just, you know, relentlessly saying to me throughout the years, like, do what you want to do, do what makes you happy, you know, and don't stop until you achieve that goal. And my mom has just been a strong supporter of my dreams. And she did a wonderful thing and actually got me George Romero's desk. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And I actually uh, went to school for screenwriting. And I, I like to say that I'm I'm writing screenplays on Georgia's desk. And I'm proud to say that uh, last year I made it in the finalists in, in two competitions. And this year I won one and uh, have made it in the finalists in two and we'll actually be taking a trip out to California in the coming months for Hollywood Horror Fest uh, Film nice. Festival. Nice, nice. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank and you. how cool. What what a cool like story to have behind the writing process too. Oh, absolutely. And just to to get it out there, the script that has has actually 
won one competition and made it a finalist in, in two is actually a zombie comedy. So oh, um, how fun. there's there's the George influence right there. Nice. I love it. Awesome. I also wanted to ask you, I, I saw that uh, we're, the two of us are actually 88s. Um, in oh, terms yeah. Of when we were born. Um, I'm April and I saw that you're in November (laughs) and I'm just genuinely curious growing up, you know, in in the same era, what type of music are you into and who are some of your favorite bands? You know, I grew up dancing. So any, I have such a wide taste in music, any variety, especially music that makes you feel something. My favorite style to dance was contemporary. So any of like the really emotionally gritty songs I always loved. But I mean, I can't, I mean, I was a 90s kid. I can't start like spouting off like these epic rock bands that I'm sure most people would want to hear. I mean, I grew up like with Spice Girls and like NSYNC and, you know, the typical 90s kid. But I mean, to be honest, whenever I need to get out of a bad mood, I put on 90s Pandora and like that will fix almost any problems you're having in life. <laughs> they just don't make like rock music like they did in the 90s. <laughs> I, I completely agree. You know, like p- part of my show is is interviewing uh, musicians as well. And, you know, I, I guess I'm I'm definitely a little more in tune with what the, the current like indie music scene is. But yeah. I, I, I definitely agree that, you know, I, I think rock and roll reached its peak in, in the 90s. I, I think music in general reached its peak in, in the 90s. And it, it, it hasn't. It, I think it lost that with like the 2000s. And we, we kind of don't know like what we're looking for what the next like genre or era of rock or you know music in general will be because the stuff that's out right now like i I don't consider it like timeless music you know yeah yeah i would agree with that and i'm proud to say that i i've seen most of the 90s alternative bands that are still around i i had a chance to see alice in chains they came to pittsburgh couple years back and that was like seeing you know the same band just without staley and uh, i've seen the foo fighters bush and live are actually coming to pittsburgh in august Uh, that'll be my second time seeing bush and I, i had a chance to see soundgarden before chris cornell passed and that was an amazing experience and I'm just I'm just a big, big, you know, music, music and film buff. Yeah, I, I mean, that's one thing that definitely connects all people from all over. It's like a common language that we all share and can connect with. Absolutely. And I, I mean, with my writing, like I really like to incorporate music and into like the stories that I write. You're not really supposed to do that because of, you know, rights issues but you know i i say fuck it you know yeah but it's nice to you know when you're writing to be able to paint a picture for whoever's going to be reading it even if you have to eventually change it because of rights issues it's it's nice to uh to kind of give that feel as people are um are reading i feel the same way and i think it it speaks more for the writer as what his message in the story is and then you know it like you said if if the time comes where they need to change it 
you know, they, they can change it. But the, the message and what the writer was trying to get a, like overall across is there. And I think that's probably more important because it, it speaks out to who the writer is, I guess, versus like trying to appease to what the standards are. Yeah, for sure. Now you have a book coming out or, or it's out now. Um, it is. It on, came out yesterday on Amazon. Uh, tell yep. us about it. So it's called Eat, Pray, FML. I don't know if I can curse on here. Can I curse on here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I always ask first because I curse like a sailor. So I try and like, you know, edit <laughs> myself. So it, it, which obviously stands for Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life. It's about the shit show that was my life in 2017. I was married for almost two years when I found out my husband had been having an affair with a 19 year old for six months, filed for divorce, left shortly after met another man fell madly in love with each other kind of had like a whirlwind of a romance for a month and a half and he had convinced me to join him on a europe trip for a month 48 hours before we were getting on the plane he told me that he needed to go by himself and i was absolutely devastated so i was sitting there going well i can either stay at home and be heartbroken or i can go travel europe for a month by myself so i said fuck it and i went solo to europe and traveled around with a backpack with like no plans and wrote a book about it <laughs> awesome well the experience not so much but the overall you know aftermath is awesome can you tell us a little bit about what readers can expect from the story totally um it's very raw real and honest i write the way i talk there's f-bombs throughout the whole book i didn't embellish anything unfortunately my life is way dramatic enough without that <laughs> it's a it starts with me finding out about the cheating and the divorce and then this new relationship and then the whole europe trip so there's love and heartbreak and sex and partying and travel and adventure and uh it's it's a really fun ride that you will laugh cry and really heal from uh, i i really learned how to love myself on this trip so there is a lot of teaching moments and different healing techniques but they're sprinkled throughout all the ridiculousness so it's a really fun read at the same time. Awesome. What is what's the page count on it? It's 280 in paperback. I'm not sure what the ebook is, but I know paperback is 280. Awesome. Yeah. Now I, I just have to kind of get this out there as well. I I, I also have uh, two things published on Amazon as well now. Oh, um, nice. Both from making as a finalist in uh, in competition last year and and this year. One is a uh, an adaptation from Ambrose Bierce called The Stranger uh, with the same title, and it's a post Civil War ghost tale. And the second script is actually my my zombie comedy, which is uh, titled Gur, a zombie <laughs> love story. That's a great title. Thank you. <laughs> Now, you also have been following in your mom's footsteps quite a bit. You have an up-and-coming horror career, and you've done, you've done a little bit of acting, writing, producing, and directing as well. Yeah. 
Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I, I started as an actress. I've done my fair share of horror. You know, I, I think I'll always want to want to act. I did my first film that I directed in 20, God, when was it, 2016? Or no, 20, yeah, 2016. Co-wrote, co-directed, co-produced, and starred in it. And we took it to festivals. It was called It Happened Again Last Night. It's, uh, it's out on Vimeo right now if people want to check it out. It's a story about a girl who is in an abusive relationship with a man who has fallen in love with her best friend who happens to be a female. So it's very domestic violence, LGBTQ related. And we took it to festivals and ended up winning a bunch of awards and had like a year long festival run. And I directed my second film last October called After Emma, starring Amy Smart and my mother, Dee Wallace. And we just sent that into festivals. So we're waiting to see where we're going to premiere and screen at. And that's a drama as well. And because of that short, I was offered a feature to direct, which I'm not allowed to announce the name of yet, but it's based on a best-selling book that's a really, really incredible story that I'm excited to to bring to the big screen. Awesome. Now, you were also in a movie with your mom, a horror film that was, I guess, considered like the expendables of of horror, uh, Death House. Can you talk a little bit about that? So I was in like literally the last scene of that film to set up the sequel, which I don't know if it will ever happen. But yeah, she she has a really different role in that from what she's used to playing. My mom and I have done a few films together. One horror film we just finished called Await the Dawn, and which is going to be really good and I play her her son's girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, uh, which is so funny because with the other film that we had done together was called Zombie Killers with Anchor Bay. And I played, again, her son's girlfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we've worked together a few times. We're actually in in development for a festival feature where we're going to be playing mother-daughter for the first time. That's awesome. And, you know, I have to say that you guys are like spitting images of each other. It's, you know, it's, I hear that a lot. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm a carbon copy of her. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I also have to say that, you know, I I had a awesome conversation with your mom, not last week, but the week before. And it was such a pleasure talking to her. And, you know, I, I can tell you guys have like a really good relationship because she was so excited to promote your book. And I could not help myself by saying, you know, I'd love to interview you because part of what my show is, is, you know, helping up and coming artists and filmmakers and people of the entertainment industry to kind kind of get their stuff out there. So I'm happy to have you on the show. I would definitely love, love, love to do another interview. I also wanted to tell you that, you know, I, I, I just finished a, uh, a script that's an H.P. Lovecraft adaptation with kind of like in mind of like having you play the lead female role. Oh, um, awesome. I love it. You know, it's it just just got done. It's I'm like planning like kind of like a, a TV series kind of like around it. I don't want to like say too much because, you know, uh, listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
but I would love, love to send you the script and like hear what you think. It's, 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 it's a fun, very, very B grade horror adventure survival type, type uh, script. Awesome. I would love to read it. Awesome. Awesome. I will definitely send you that. I have two closing questions for you. Okay. What are some of your favorite films? Oh, that's always such a hard question. Um, Definitely What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams. That's always been one of my favorites. I love how they depict heaven in that film. And it's just such a it's just such a good piece of art. I love Requiem for a Dream, although I feel like anytime I watch it, I have to sit and contemplate my life for two hours after. <laughs> <laughs> but Ellen Bernstein in that film is just perfection. Um, if you ever like want a lesson on acting. Comedies, I love Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I, I think I literally know that entire script. <laughs> Definitely one of my favorites. And uh, Cujo uh, has always like held a really special place in my heart because it's one of my mom's favorite films. My dad's also in it. So that's that's probably on my list as well. Awesome. Awesome. Now, I have to just say like a funny story about um, what dreams may come. I was younger. Um, I, I went to um, this movie theater in Pittsburgh that is actually no longer there. It's now a Sheets, which I'm not sure if you know what that is. It's kind of like a, a gas station with like like a like a food area. And, uh, okay. and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. People, you know, my, my cousins are from out of town. And every time they come in, it's like, we got to go to Sheets. Oh, how funny. But I, I went with my best friend at the time to this movie theater, and we wanted to go see Soldier with Kurt Russell. Uh-huh. And, of course, that movies are. And, you know, we're both the same age, so there's no way we were getting into that on our own. My mom had already left, you know, after dropping us off at the theater. So we were left with, like two options and where this theater was you couldn't really walk anywhere so we were left with two options either you know call my mom and tell her to come pick us up or you know what else can we see that's around the same time and uh what dreams may come was actually the movie that that we ended up going to see and i was like a little too young to to see that movie because yeah i didn't understand like everything that was Sure. That was going on. It was, it's a heavy movie. Yeah, you know? it really is. And I mean, it's a great movie. And Robin Williams has always, always been like, like a huge, huge uh, favorite actor of mine. And I was definitely, you know, upset when when he passed. I know. I mean, Hook. You know, I I, I still say that they have they can't make a better Peter Pan movie than Hook. Yeah, I agree. I had the sheets, you know, I had some of the figures, you know, I mean, Hook was really, I think, the best interpretation of Peter Pan that we got. But yeah, uh, that that was my little story about uh, what dreams may come. Yeah, it's a good one. And my last closer question for you is... Do you have any up and coming projects to promote? Well, the biggest one right now is the book that just came out yesterday. So people can find that on Amazon. They can either Google my name, Gabrielle Stone, or type in Eat, Pray, FML. And it's on paperback and ebook as well. I just finished that horror film, Await the Dawn. So that should be out either late this year or early next year. And... I have a couple films on demand right now that people can check out. One is called Swell, 
which is a road trip drama. There's another one called Cradles for Cash, which is a very Lifetime-esque. And I play a, a Russian, <laughs> which is always fun. And then, you know, come hang out with me on social media. I'm at Gabrielle Stone on, on all the platforms. Awesome. And I'm sorry. Actually, the, I, I, a question popped into my head. And I, I feel it's it's a it's an important question to ask. Do you see yourself wanting to continue in horror or would you like to see yourself in the future dabbling into into other genres that are, are more of your favorites? I mean, I'd love to do some comedy. That's one thing. I got to do some comedy in Swell, but I would definitely love to do some more comedy. I don't do only horror. I do mostly drama, actually. I turn down probably one horror project a month because I just, there's a level of shitty horror out there that (laughs) if it's going to be horror for me, it has to be a really, really great script. So, and I love the horror community and the fans are fucking awesome. So I never will not do horror, but it just has to be good material. Got it. Got it. And if if you could say you had one or, or three top favorite horror movies of all time, what would they be? Oh, Lord. You know, I don't get scared by ghost stuff um, like The Conjuring didn't like shake me to my core by any means. The stuff that scares me is the shit that like can really happen. Like the strangers scared the living hell out of me because it that can happen. You can be in a cabin and weird people can just show up and decide they want to fuck with you and murder you. That is like horror to me. So probably the strangers. Um, I'm a huge fan of Jordan Peele. Get Out was top notch for me. I, I like smart horror. I'm not a big I mean, I, I respect and love in its own way, like the the slasher flicks. You know, I'm a fan of, of Rob Zombie's Halloween and uh, and all of the like the OG horrors. But um, <laughs> but yeah, probably probably those. Oh, awesome. What did you think of us? Uh, I'm so conflicted about it still. Um, I had my expectations for that film were ridiculously high. The preview for that film was one of the best trailers I've ever seen between the music and just every, the essence of it. And it, I, I don't know if it was because my expectations were so high, but it fell a little short for me. Once I did all the research after and like read up on all the the stories and how everything like connected, I really appreciated it. But I don't think that that fully made it onto the screen. You know, I, I, I can agree with you on that. My personal take on it was I, I think I, I liked it more than Get Out. Really? Um, just just because, you know, Get Out, it's it's hard to tell if that's a horror movie or a thriller. And and it's 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 a fine line. And but I, I think the idea of Get Out was more flushed out. I, I think us. I think the reason I like it just a little bit more is because it is a straightforward horror movie um, yeah. versus, you know, Get Out. It's debatable if it's horror or if it's a thriller or, or a mixture of, of both. But for me, I, I thought the, the first and second act were really, really good. And then I thought the, the third act kind of fell short. For me, you know, I, I would have 
liked it a lot more if it was all supernatural versus trying to like tie in the the scientific aspect. I thought also once they went the route of like instead of it being just, you know, the one family that it was like the copies of everyone. I thought that kind of took it away from what the movie like could have been. I, right. I thought it should have, it, it would have been better if it focused on the family the whole time and then stayed, you know, supernatural. But I love the Hills of Eyes reference. Speaking of your mom um, <laughs> in there with Pluto, because uh, I had uh, the pleasure of, of interviewing Michael Berryman as well. And, oh, um, awesome. you know, I, that that's, I think the Hells of Eyes, both one and two were really good. And I even think the, the remakes, uh, that, that Wes Craven was involved with were excellent as yeah. well. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan Peele has a good way of paying homage to, to past horror films, which I always love. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's kind of like what I like to do in, in my own writing only, it's it's like obscure like like movie references. Yeah, um, definitely. But know, those are fun for people. Oh yeah, it's like little Easter eggs, you know, that you can yeah. throw in for people, and it's like, oh, where have I heard that name before? You know. Yeah. But Gabrielle, it has been a pleasure talking to you. You can check out her book on Amazon. Check her out on social media. She's on all the platforms. It has been a pleasure talking with you. I would love, love to have you on the show again and talk about movies and some more of your work. Totally. I would love that. Thank you for having me in the bowl. Absolutely. And I, again, hope the temperature was just right. It was perfect. Awesome. <laughs> All right. All right, dude. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.